Today, we'll be talking about two big topics that you may not have had too much time to step back and consider. What's your life purpose? And what will your legacy? Our granddaughter is about to turn two, and I was thinking recently about my maternal grandparents got a big impact on my life, what I learned from them, what I learned from them as to how to be a good grandparent, and boy, what I'd like to convey and relate to our granddaughter as she gets older about those lessons. Welcome to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Casey. And today our guest is Dr. Jandy Kelly. She's the founder of a Talk to Remember, a boutique production company that helps families and organizations capture their legacies in documentary films and oral history projects. Over the past 15 years, Jandy has worked as a university researcher, instructor, and administrator at the University of Chicago, Northwestern University, and the University of Michigan. She received her PhD in higher education from the University of Michigan, and her academic scholarship focuses on the topics of teaching and learning, life purpose, and identity development. Her research has been featured in the Journal of Higher Education and other publications. Jandy and her family live in Bend, Oregon, where she serves on the Board of Trustees for an independent K-12 experiential learning school. Jandy, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. So one of the most challenging things about retirement for some people is the loss of a sense of purpose that work provided them. What does the research say about why life purpose is so important? I think that's a great question. And before we talk about life purpose, I think it's helpful to actually define what we mean by life purpose. A lot of people talk about it in different ways. And so one of the definitions that I really appreciate is how our talents that we actually enjoy using intersect with the need in the world or our community that we find to be personally meaningful. And what I really like about that definition is that unlike goals, some specific personal goals that we may have, it extends beyond aims of personal meaning to a desire that we want to make a difference in the world. And so therefore, it's self-transcendent in nature. And What the research demonstrates is that having a sense of purpose is associated with a host of benefits across the lifespan, as well as later in life. And so when we think about how life purpose can be beneficial throughout our lives, one of the most overarching benefits is that it really helps us live with greater intentionality in how we spend our days and to remain true to ourselves while benefiting the greater good. And so In a way, we can think about purpose as a guide that takes us in the right direction. And so I know that you had one of your earlier conversations was with Bill Damon out of Stanford, you know, the renowned developmental psychologist. And he likens purpose to an ultimate concern or a final answer to the question of why. So why am I doing this? Why am I striving to accomplish this end? And in that way, purpose is the reason behind our immediate goals. And it's a motive that drives most of our daily behaviors. So to make this a bit more concrete, if we think about the example of gardening. So an avid gardener may find, may have a lot of personal passion in gardening and derive great personal fulfillment from creating this beautiful garden that they enjoy with their family. But gardening could also for that person be about a broader contribution and to their answer to the question of why. So maybe they deeply value beautifying their neighborhood or they want to foster some solidarity in terms of preserving green space, or perhaps they were in a family that they grew up with food insecurity and they want to have greater agency and independence when it comes to creating their own garden and they want to establish a community garden or they want to model principles of sustainability for youth. So 
in that sense, gardening can really be something that has personal meaning, but it also answers this question of why am I engaging with this with this aim to some degree? And so in that way, purpose has a unifying effect on the different goals that we have in our life, as well as a sense of who we are. So when we think about the gardening example, purpose in a way helps us answer questions like, how do I aspire to interact with and impact others? Who do I want to be in my community and in my relationships? What type of work brings me fulfillment at the end of the day? And what do I want to be remembered for day in and day out? But as well as what is the legacy that I might want to leave behind? And what's the connection that you see between storytelling and purpose? Absolutely. So I think that Dan McAdams out of Northwestern's Foley Center for the Study of Lives, he's done a lot of research on the concept of narrative identity. And what his research has revealed is that individuals who intentionally integrate recollections of their past with visions for their future have a more cohesive identity, sense of meaning and purpose. And so when we think about identity, that's who am I as a result of my collectively lived experiences? And then meaning in terms of what is the meaning that I derive from those experience and purpose, how do I want to live out my days ahead? And so identity theory tells us that the need that we have for reflection and for making sense of our life and our contributions, as well as the stories that we share and the stories that we share, not only among our contemporaries, but with younger generations, those needs really intensify with age. and so. When we think about the contributions that we want to make through our stories, we not only have an ability to really impact youth when it comes to the wisdom that we're passing on, but we also see as we tell our stories that our lives have purpose. And so I know that in Bill's earlier discussion with you, he talked a little bit about how he found through his own life review that, you know, my story really matters and I feel seen and heard. And so I definitely encourage listeners to Go back to that earlier episode where he talks a bit about his own experience conducting his life review. But I think that one of the things that Bill mentioned that really resonates in the work that I do and that I've seen is when he quotes Faulkner saying, the past is not dead, it's not even past. And with that, when we think about the stories that we have and when we are afforded time, especially later in life, to really do an inventory of our life, we have an ability to carry our life lessons and experiences with us. And not only do we bring them with us, but they provide a rich opportunity for learning about how we might want to build a rewarding future and repeat some of the things that worked well in the past and maybe take a different path than where we may have misstepped in the past as well. That's a great point about life lessons. They're valuable to us, obviously, but also to to others. And another one of our guests, Maddie Dykewell, president of H-Wave, noted that they had done a a survey that showed people are thinking of legacy differently these days. It's not just passing on financial assets any longer. It's also passing on those life lessons as well. And so how can sharing life lessons and life stories help younger generations? Right. No, and I I absolutely agree with Maddie's point there. And oftentimes when people think of legacy, they think of financial assets. And there are a number of nationwide studies that were recently published that indicate that people place far more value on the non-monetary elements of their legacy than the monetary aspect. So 75% of retirees across the U.S., as well as 83% of adult children, have indicated that their memories, values, and life lessons are the most important elements of their legacies that they want to pass on to loved ones. And it makes sense because 
in the long run, we can't keep the money with us. It comes and it goes. And at the end of the day, it isn't our house. It isn't our property that is going to matter the most to us. It's our relationships and our values are really at the core of what matters. And I think too, when it comes to thinking about legacy, the concept of generativity can be helpful. And what generativity means is really thinking about the well-being of future generations. And so when we share our life stories, we're promoting that generativity or helping younger generations thrive through the acts of passing on wisdom and also cultivating resilience in younger generations. So when it comes to the research, Study after study has demonstrated that one of the greatest benefits of sharing your life story is that it really provides a foray for youth to not only bond with older generations through universal experiences such as hardship, joy, and regret, but it's also a way that younger folks can take our life lessons with them and draw upon your stories as inspiration and strength. And so I think about a conversation I had recently with an adult child who wants to work on a legacy project for his mom. And the main motivation is that she is a Black woman who lived through the civil rights experience in Georgia. And the last thing that their family wants is to lose the power of both the empowering aspects of those times and also the challenges that the matriarch of the family lived through because there's just so many kernels of wisdom and also lessons of resilience that can take place through that. And on the terms of resilience, another that's another area that's well-documented in the literature as far as how sharing our life stories can really help younger generations. So Emory University's Family Narratives Lab, they have identified through research that youth who are in families who are more open and emotionally trying times and are open to sharing their family stories routinely demonstrate better coping skills, higher self-esteem and social companionship, higher quality friendships, and they tend to be less anxious. And that's just the benefits for the youth. There's also demonstrated time and time again, stronger emotional bonds across the generations. And I see this, I have two kids myself, and I see this when I started working in the area of life history, I captured my own parents' stories. And one of the stories that my dad tells is of his time in the Marines. And Also, a lot of the challenges that he faced in school. And when they come to visit us, my son and my dad share a bedroom together and they call themselves bunkmates. And it's just turned out to be such a win-win situation because my son will often ask my dad to go back to the bedroom and, hey, Mikey, can we have a chat? And what's talking about, he's so curious about his time in the Marines, but he's also just, he's been able to talk to my dad about how he struggled with some of the same things that my son struggles with in school. And it's enabled a space for my son to be more vulnerable about that. And I can't tell you what it means to my dad that my son looks at him as a confidant and a guide. And so it's just really neat when you start to see these things that are documented in the literature happen in your own family as well. Here's a question for you. What will you be doing next? Registration is now open for our second Design Your New Life and Retirement small group coaching program. It starts on April 26th, and there's an early registration discount available until March 26th. You'll find the link in the show notes. It'll take you to a page on our website that gives you all the details you'll need. I hope to see you there. hope you'll join us. Absolutely. And great to hear about life stories with your parents. And before we get into that, I noticed we were talking about designing your life, which you did at the University of Michigan. 
And certainly a concept that will be familiar to some of my clients, many of my clients who are listening, because they've been through prototyping, and which is really testing out uh, ideas that you have to get more information and find out more. And I'm wondering if we could marry those two concepts that you just talked about, life stories through parents and prototyping. And if you could tell us about your prototyping experience in with the life review process with your own parents. Absolutely. And, you know, it's great that you um, have identified that that intersection between my experience and prototyping, because that's how I describe it to folks, too, when I talk about life design. And I very much I think that that's one of the greatest assets of the life design approach is really encouraging people to prototype different experiences that they might be interested in. And so with me throughout my PhD, a strand of my research and my teaching and also my work in career development focused on life purpose and life meaning. And so I'm a qualitative researcher by training. And as I was conducting hundreds of interviews and focus groups with people on the topics of life purpose and life meaning and teaching and learning, I began to come upon the literature about life review. And when it came to life reviews, I began to get a sense of all of the empirically documented benefits that as far as how folks benefit from engaging in the life review, whether it's heightened well-being or whether it is these intergenerational bonds or whether it is improved mood, things along those lines, I began to think that I have two parents and I have never documented their stories. And so this would be a really beneficial time for me to sit down and really apply these principles of life review to collect my own parents' life stories. And it was something that I felt somewhat, and this is something when I talk with folks too, the last thing that people want to have is this sense of regret that they waited too long. And in my family, Alzheimer's runs pretty strongly on my dad's side. He's from a, my grandma passed with Alzheimer's. And he's from a family of seven and three of the seven have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia and a fourth has Parkinson's. So there's definitely some neurological genetic issue going on. And so that's always looming as a possibility down the road. And so I really wanted to capture my parents' life stories. And one of the biggest motivations was I had such a close relationship with my grandparents growing up, especially my grandma's but I didn't capture their stories and I didn't want that to happen again. And so with my dad's mom, for example, the one who ended up passing with Alzheimer's, she was just this amazing, amazing storyteller who she grew up on the South side of Chicago and her father worked on the railroad. And she would tell these stories about how he was in this terrible accident on the railroad and he ended up losing a leg. And so he opened up this bar that folks didn't really know about that he had. And it was just this place where people came together to tell stories. And my grandma was kind of growing up in this Irish pub in some ways. And then her husband, my dad's dad, was the oldest of 10 during the Depression. And so he was raising his family in a lot of ways. And my grandma was a mother of seven. And so you can just imagine all the stories that I heard from her growing up, but none of them were documented. And then my maternal grandmother, she wasn't as much of a storyteller as much as she was a gatherer of storytellers in a lot of ways. So I had a cottage growing up in Michigan. And one of my fondest memories was going up there with my mom and my grandma. And my grandma would have her fellow grandma friends up to the cottage. And we would just sit around the table playing solitaire until way past my bedtime. And I would just hear all the stories that they would recount from their youth and just the different lessons that they had learned and what they might have done differently and 
what their grandchildren meant to them and the trips they took and the trips they wish they would have taken. And so it was really this notion as I began to think about capturing my own parents' stories that I still have a blurry memory of these stories, but it's nothing like having captured them in my grandma's own voices. And so basically, I was living in Ann Arbor at the time doing my PhD at Michigan, and my parents were in Chicago, and I had the only grandkids in the family at the time. So I often had monthly visits out to Ann Arbor. And when my parents would come, I basically would say, all right, dad, I one kid's down for a nap. Let's sneak out to the front porch. And I would just press record on my phone and say, hey, dad, tell me about the time when you got in all that trouble at school with the nuns for putting a grasshopper on her head. So he would just recount that story or, and so basically, and at first he was, so my dad does not consider himself a public speaker by any means. And when I told him I was going to be interviewing him, which is often when I talk to folks about life stories, like a, a concern or a misconception that will come up is that. I don't want to feel like I'm being interviewed or I need to be a public speaker and I'm not that great of a speaker. And within five minutes of us talking, it was like he was talking with an old friend at a pub about the good old days. And little by little, every visit, it eventually became my dad asking me, so I thought about this story that I really wanted to tell or have we captured this story yet? And then eventually it transitioned to where I collected all these stories for my dad and my mom was like, well, you got dad's story. What about my story? And so then I sat down with my mom and her concern at the time actually was that she didn't feel like she had led that remarkable of a life in terms of, she's like, you know, I grew up on the South side of Chicago. I raised two kids. I had a career. I'm not a world traveler. And so what stories am I going to tell? And basically what she found and what my family found was that it was those everyday universal experiences that were really the most meaningful. So her sharing about that terrible mistake that she made when she was in college, and if she could have gone over and done it again, what would she have done? Or what was her neighborhood like growing up back in the day when no one drove anywhere and there were just cars and she walked to get penny candy and her favorite memories of us as kids and what her grandkids mean to her. And I think that time and again, you know, what I found through this prototype experience with my parents, it seems to be pretty common when I conduct interviews with others is that it really is those everyday experiences that folks can relate to the most and who capture who you are and don't ever underestimate the power of your everyday lived experience for sure. Very true. I also have a penny candy story. We would walk to get penny candy and my kids do not believe the story, but I was routinely chased home by a very large Great Dane. Oh, It improved my speed tremendously. That must have been some really good penny candy that you kept going back. <laughs> yes. So I've had to have this story verified by one of my brothers. But great stories and great to hear how it becomes conversational. People naturally fall into recounting these stories and their experiences. And all lived experiences have great lessons in them for, for them, for all of us. But I'm curious, what was the reaction of your parents to the final product that you came up with? Yeah, I alluded to this a little earlier when I said that What's really neat as a researcher, like I tend to know what happens qualitatively and what's documented in broader studies as far as engaging in the life review process. But it's so cool to see it happen when you're actually doing this with your own family. And so study after study indicates that individuals who have a more coherent sense of their own story have greater happiness in life, greater life satisfaction and fulfillment. They also experience lower levels of depression and anxiety, which 
as we get older is especially important because folks who live on their own or in isolation are often more prone to that. And so thinking about that is definitely one of the greatest benefits, especially documented among folks who are of older generations and their storytelling. And so with my parents, even though they went in with some of these concerns to this day, when they tell folks about what I'm doing for work, they just say it was one of the most enjoyable and rewarding experiences that they've ever engaged in. And they don't necessarily say this to other folks, but one of their immediate reactions to me after this was just this like breath of my story's down. Like I, there's this ease and just peace knowing that my story's here to stay. And my mom, you know, has said to other folks, you know, I thought about legacy planning and it was all taken care of for me. And I didn't need to think about like, are my grandkids going to know my story? Are future generations even going to know who I was? And so I think that one of the greatest contributions, which is documented in the literature, is that it's the removal of the regret of waiting too long to either tell your story or to capture your parents' stories. And, you know, the Wall Street Journal recently published an article that one of adult children's greatest regrets is that only one in three adults know the stories behind their parents' accomplishments. And something that I'm sure we've all heard. And when I talk to folks about what I do, I can't tell you how many times I hear, I wish I just had five more minutes with my mom, or I wish I would have asked dad that question. And so I think that seeing that, that just sense of like, peace and relief that my parents' story was down was definitely one of the greatest outcomes. And then also another thing that's documented again and again in the literature is just the benefits of sharing our personal stories to strengthening our interpersonal relationships. So it's not only a benefit for when we're gone, but while we're still here and how we can celebrate our lives together. And this is something, so I just turned 40 this year and my friends and I often talk about this because our parents are getting older. And one of my best friends lost her dad unexpectedly this past year. And he was like a second dad to me. And when we think about our time with our parents, especially, you know, my mom and dad have the joke that they have one kid 2000 miles away because they're in Chicago and I'm in Oregon and another kid who lives two doors down. My brother lives two houses down from them. And, but when we are together, time is precious. And so we really want to be able to make the most of that time together. And I think that One of the greatest benefits that my family experienced from this and that I see with other folks is that when you get these stories, it provides such a fertile and rich ground for intimate conversations, for more personal conversations. My mom, for example, she also not only not only did she benefit from sharing this with us, but one of the films that she wanted to create was she went to an all girls high school, as did I. And so she has these very strong female relationships that she's developed over time. And she wanted to dedicate one of her films to friendship. And so she took time throughout the film to talk about like four of her closest friends and several stories about what they mean to her. And then she had her friend group over and they had a viewing party. And she just had so much fun sharing these stories with her friends. And it meant so much to her friends as well, who now have the films and they get to share their stories of their youth from my mom's perspective with their own kids. And so I would say that the reaction was just wonderfully personally rewarding for my parents, but then, you know, it, it spread as well. And as I mentioned, it's also benefited my kids' relationship with my parents also. I would say that something else that's, that can come up in the literature is a sense of catharsis when it comes to going through tougher times and, and feeling like you have this like dedicating a time where you have a bit more distance in your life to look at times that were harder 
So you've come a long way since the prototype, and I was wondering if you could tell us about the company you've created, uh, Talk to Remember, and how it works. Sure, sure. So at a Talk to Remember, what we do is we really help families and institutions capture and pass on the stories that they really want others to remember. And so for families, it's often the life stories of either the matriarch or the patriarch. I've also had my dearest friend back in Chicago. She very sadly lost her sister during the pandemic to breast cancer. And her sister was quite young when she passed and had three little children. And we're talking right now about potentially creating a more of a legacy film for a tribute film for her. And so oftentimes so that her children can know the stories that her family wants to pass on about her mom. And so I would say that the majority of our projects really are capturing folks' stories as they want to tell them themselves. But we're the main thing is we want to get these stories down. And so we're happy to um, to help on either of those fronts. And then we also help institutions. So I work with universities, financial planners, both in financial planners helping capture their clients' family histories and thinking about the legacies that they want to pass on and institutions, my background's in higher education. And I'm in conversation with a couple of universities about creating oral history projects with them in which they're going to be capturing. So one university, the this institute is approaching its 70th anniversary, and they want to do an oral history project where we're going to be interviewing distinguished alumni and emeritus faculty about different research contributions and the future trajectory of the institution as well. So we definitely, we help folks in different areas and all of our projects are professional documentary style films. And what I learned and the reason that I've started to, that I transitioned to film was that people really want to see their loved ones telling their story. They want to see capture that smile, that that expression as mom is recounting your first steps as a little kid and you can't recreate laughter on a page. And with my parents, as I said, I was initially just sitting down with a phone on my front porch and capturing these stories via audio. And so the initial films, I partnered with a professional designer and they were more of a Ken Burns style approach where we were integrating memorabilia, which we still do, but you didn't see my mom or dad telling their stories. and. That was just something I heard time and time again was, oh, this is so wonderful, but how great would it be to see your dad as he's laughing right now? And so at this point, I do have several teams of professional videographers and all of our projects are film-based. And one of the things that we've learned as well is that length is key. And so our aim is to produce films that both families and individuals and institutions, they want to watch time and time again. So what we're staying away from is that three-hour wedding video that you watch the, you know, the first year and then maybe again on the 25th anniversary. And so what we do is when we sit down with an individual to talk about a, a specific time in their life, we distill all of these longer interviews into shorter showcase pieces. And these showcase films are each dedicated to a life chapter of personal meaning. So some common life chapters could be childhood and family of origin or life lessons, first loves, children, trips and traditions. And what we're doing in each interview, and this is something that I learned in my research, is that one of the best ways to really get the essence of a person and an experience is not to have a person describe a time in their life, but to really focus on core stories that made a lasting impact on that person. And so what we're doing is really unearthing and 
distilling these core stories into these shorter vignette films that have a really powerful impact and that you want to watch time and time again. And as far as our process, sometimes folks will ask like, so how does this all work? And what I like to say is that our main goal is to make this as fun and enjoyable and relaxed a process as possible. And so we take a very highly customized and exploratory approach. And at the very beginning, before we even begin to work on a project, we get a thorough understanding of the who's, the what's, the where's of each client's life, what they want from this process. So what does an ideal legacy project look like for them? Who do they want to include? So is this going to be just a mother and a father? Do they want to include the children, the grandchildren? We're then working once we have a sense of what the project is going to look like in the core stories that they really want to focus on. We work with the client to guide them in collecting their most cherished memorabilia that they want to feature. So whether it is home videos, photographs, military drafts, love letters, we digitize all of that. And then we're able to bring those into the feature films to really bring those stories to life. And then another question I'll receive is, so you're in Oregon, my family's in Georgia. How does this work out? And so we conduct all of the interviews in person at the location of choice for the storyteller. So I have a project coming up this spring where there has been a beach house in the family for many generations, and they want to get the family together at this beach house where they've made memory after memory. And so we're going to be conducting the shoot the film days out there where we actually go on site and not only are interviewing folks, but are capturing live footage of the family enjoying the favorite things that they love to do on the beach as well. Um, most of our projects take place over two days where we're conducting about two to three hours of interviews in the morning. And then we take a break for lunch. And in the afternoon, we get together and we decide, all right, what are the activities that really mean the most to you and that we want to capture on film? And so we're doing that. And basically at the end of the process, each client receives a beautiful suite of feature films, each dedicated to a life chapter of personal meaning. They also receive, so say we created one film about childhood and family of origin, and that is a shorter vignette film. We also give the family the entire raw footage so that they have every single story that is told during those interviews that they can keep as well. And all of these films are uploaded to a personal website that we create for the client that then they can share with friends and family, to social media. They're beautiful to show at a milestone birthday or anniversary for someone's retirement party. Folks have even mentioned that they'd like to have them for memorial services. And so, yeah, I'd say that's, that's a, a high-level overview of how we're helping folks out, really, with capturing their stories and passing them on. Wow, very impressive. And I was wondering, could you tell us a story of how one of these films recently came about to illustrate the process? We had a recent film for a financial planning firm, for example, where they wanted to capture, so it's three brothers, and they wanted to capture the history of the firm, not only as a way to tell their story, but also as a way to tell the advisor stories at the firm. And so what we did was we had the, um, they actually wanted to conduct, we live in Bend, Oregon, which is a destination, a vacation place for a lot of folks. And so they wanted to come out here. And so we conducted the film shoot and everything right here on our at our studio. And the brothers basically decided what is the story that they wanted to tell as far as how they are brothers serving families. 
And what we did was talk about how there is a lineage of entrepreneurial spirit in their family, where their grandfather had his own business in the restaurant industry and their father had a law firm. And so this entrepreneurial spirit was really cultivated in them early on. And then also how the ways that their parents had made a lot of sacrifices to send them to a Catholic education and the different values that were instilled in them at that school, how they think about that informing how they treat their clients. Also, the ways that their family dynamic and values that were modeled for them within their family really inform how they work together as brothers and how they want to serve families as well. And so that was one film that we worked on. And then another film as part of that was one of the advisors really wanted to capture his story as far as a father and as a partner, and not only for his family, but in the advise in the financial planning industry, you know, a lot of the times and folks listening, I'm sure can relate to this, that when we think of who we want to help us with our money, there's the element as far as how your portfolio produces, but really it comes down to, do I trust them? Do I trust them to make good decisions? And so we were working with this advisor as a way to demonstrate who he is as a father and who he is as a husband so that current and prospective clients could get to know who he is at a deeper level beyond just the person who manages their money. And so we were able to create this, these beautiful films that not only their family has talking about their family history and the values that inform how these brothers work today, but also capturing the story of who this advisor is as a father and as a partner for his family as well. And thanks for sharing that. You mentioned retirement party before, and that led me to think, well, I can really imagine how this might be a very meaningful gift, maybe for a retirement gift or an anniversary, or maybe, as you mentioned, a financial advisor for his or her clients. What are your thoughts on how this could possibly be you know, beneficial as a gift for someone? Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of the... So there's usually two to three sets of folks who I'm talking with about these projects. And the first are folks who are in my shoes. And they really are thinking, my parents are they're here, they're with us, they have their stories, we want to capture them before it's too late. And it's something where either I'm going to give this to my parents or all the siblings want to go in with this. I'm talking with a good friend of mine right now and her grandma, they really want to create a project for her. And all the aunts and uncles are thinking about surprising her with this for her 80th birthday. And so there's definitely the adult children who are thinking about how they want to give this as something to their parents. Other times I'm working with financial advisors and estate planners, and it's either where advisors are reaching out to me, or at times I've had folks who are interested in doing a project and they introduce me to their advisor and say, hey, it would be great if your firm was doing something like this. And usually those conversations take place as part of the legacy planning process with either estate firms or financial planning firms. And one of the areas that advisors have really enjoyed talking with clients about this is in the idea of gifting while living. And a lot of times folks can be a little bit stuck if they want to give a gift to their children, their grandchildren that is meaningful, but they want something that resonates in a deeper way than a monetary gift. Maybe they're not thinking they want to do something other than a vacation or travel, and they want to be able to celebrate their memories while they're still here. And so that's definitely something that's been of interest to a lot of folks. And then in the same vein, with estate firms, there's been a conversation about creating more estate films that can be 
an accompaniment to a traditional legal document or will that helps matriarchs and patriarchs really explain their motivations behind an estate plan, the philanthropic values that they have, different family values that they want to pass on. And the idea is that there's a lot of power in someone's recorded voice sharing these wishes versus solely having a legal document read to you. And the main motivation other than safeguarding these wishes is to remove complications during emotionally trying times. That's the last thing that anyone wants for their children is to be getting into arguments over assets or why things should be taken care of in certain ways. And so it's really in the vein of trying to set up the next generation for success by preserving family history and their values. And there's this common saying in the financial planning industry, shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves. So shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves is the notion that money is gone after three generations. And so basically the first generation is working really hard and they have made all these sacrifices to accumulate this family success and wealth. The second generation has witnessed it. And so they want to preserve it. And they're often very appreciative and respectful of that. But by the third generation, the wealth is starting to diminish. The values that have informed how the wealth was acquired over time aren't necessarily preserved. And I was talking with an advisor about this and they were like, that applies just as much to family stories and values. because." If you don't capture them, you don't preserve them, there's no way for the next generation to know what they are or to carry them on with them. And so the notion of thinking about parents gifting these films to their children as a way to really protect what matters to them and their family is another way that we're seeing this as a gift. So what advice would you offer someone listening who is really intrigued by this concept, wants to capture their family stories? but may want or need to do it by themselves? Absolutely. I would say, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I want to emphasize it, is that the most important thing is not to wait and to get the story before it's too late. And so again, if it's sitting down every Sunday night, you have grandma and grandpa over for dinner. And for 20 minutes, you ask a question, you pull out a table topics question, and you sit at the table and you're recording and the grandkids can be a part of it and hear that. Just getting the stories down. It can be like I was sitting on the front porch. If you're from a distance, getting on Zoom or even on Google Voice and recording something over the phone. If a loved one doesn't want to hop on the computer, you can do it over phone and record it. And it can be a weekly, you know, your weekly phone call with mom and dad. So thinking about those things, I think that there's some important questions that you want to keep in mind. First of which would be, what does an ideal legacy project look like for you? So really starting with that end in mind. So what is the intended purpose? Who are you going to share it with? What type of format do you want it for now and for years of come? Whose story are you going to be capturing? Is this going to be solely your mom? Is it going to be grandparents? Is there a sense of urgency? Is there um, anything on the horizon where we need to move a little bit quicker to get these stories? Or is it going to be more of a leisurely project? You know, with my dad, this happened over five years. So it was, you know, every couple of months, we'd sit down and get some stories. I think another thing that's important to take into consideration is what do you want to know? So are we capturing the entire arc of someone's life story? Are there specific time periods or specific stories that you want to know more about? What memorabilia do you have and do you want to feature? So Of course, there's your traditional photos. Are we going to be digitizing home videos? Are there newspaper clippings? So what what are the different elements that we want to include? And then 
what medium do you want to use? So when I say medium, I mean, are you thinking about a memoir? Are you thinking about a film? Are you thinking purely audio? And I think what's important to think about with that is, so at the end of, you know, capturing my parents' stories, I had something like 25 hours of recorded stories for my dad alone. And then I didn't know what to do with them. And so I was starting to think, all right, how can I really get these into a format that I'm going to want to listen to them again, time and time again. And so will my kids. And so I think thinking about what is going to be the format that's going to work best for you. And when you think about these different formats, so if it's a memoir, do you have a motivated writer or do you have someone who can help you out in writing this? When it comes to film, do you have the equipment, the technology? Are you going to know how to make the edits, things like that? There's benefits and drawbacks to any of them. And then related to that is who's going to make the project? So is this something that I'm undertaking? Is it something that I'm going to be working on with brothers and sisters? Are we going to be hiring a professional? And so some of the criteria you might want to take into consideration is like, what time do you have to dedicate to the project? What technology, again, do you have access to? Do you feel comfortable with? And then one of the things that will come up sometimes when I talk with folks is that they really want to hire someone to do the interviewing because they don't feel as comfortable navigating sensitive topics with folks. And they don't know, okay, so I have this two-hour interview. How do I craft it into, you know, like a compelling narrative? And so thinking about who's going to be involved in the skill sets that you have. And I'd say, you know, there's a lot of resources out there. If folks, I mean, you can easily, easily just Google some life story questions to ask my parents and you'll, you'll get hit with a bunch of results and you can, you know, get fodder for questions there. But I think that again, just sitting down and being a little bit reflective about like, what are the stories I want to know? And when can I carve out some intentional time just to make this a fun process for, you know, yourself and also for your loved one? Appreciate all that. It sounds like the most important things have a project plan. Exactly. Your goals, how you're going to do, et cetera, et cetera. I was struck by 25 hours of recording for your dad alone. I was thinking in my case, it would probably be 25 hours but only five stories. They just repeat, <laughs> repeat several times. I would say that maybe there were 10 and some of those stories I heard more than once. So there's, yeah, there's definitely that case to happen. And then you know what? You get the best of all the stories that are told. <laughs> there you go. Thanks so much for making us smarter about legacy projects and the things you're doing. The work you're doing is fascinating. And it's also an interesting sub story here for people listening of someone who started off in one lane career-wise and found a way to redeploy your talents and experience and knowledge. So I think that's another another thing that maybe of interest people to think about. Well, thank you so much, Joe. And it's been a pleasure and I really appreciate all you're doing to create a space for folks to talk about these topics. Thanks again. Time for takeaways, ideas to turn today's conversation with Jandy Kelly into a few action items. Number one, what is your life purpose and what will your legacy be? So we're returning to where we started at the beginning of this episode, those two key questions, which obviously are big questions. But what are the ways in which going forward you want to make a difference in the world? And what will you be remembered for? The focus of the podcast this season is to look at different ways you can make a difference in the world through a multi-purpose retirement. So there are many different avenues. What are going to be the ones for you? Number two, what are the stories 
that will make a difference to others? What are those life stories that you can capture for yourself and other people in your family that will make a difference to others in later years? Jandy's company is one way to do it, but as she shared, there's also do-it-yourself options to capture them, but the key is not to wait. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. You'll find more information on Jandy's company, Talk to Remember, in the show notes, as well as two previous conversations where we discussed life review. First, as she mentioned, with Bill Damon of Stanford, and secondly, with Dr. Francine Toder, who has been on the podcast twice, who has some very interesting thoughts on the guided autobiography process. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to check out our best books on retirement. They include a number that aren't specifically about retirement, but have ideas you can use to design your own. 